Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's Light the Tower. Your daily look around the world of sports. With Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way. And Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, the Horn. The one out. Swung on and a ball hit well. Swung on and down the right field line. That's going to fall in the corner for extra bases. One run will score. Let's see. Daly will be stopped at third. And it's an RBI double from Jared Thomas to get the Longhorns on the board. It's now a 3-1 Miami lead. With an 0-2. Ground ball. That's through on the right side of ace hit. One run scores. Thomas being waved to the plate. Here comes the throw. It's cut off. Game is tied. Peyton Powell's first hit of the regional counts for two runs home on the RBI single. And it's a 3-3 ball game. Here's the stretch from Gallo in the 2-1. Swung on, and that ball is hit toward the alley in left center. It'll fall in for a base hit. Dylan Campbell continues the streak. 38 games and counting for the Big 12's all-time hitting streak record holder. Campbell with a one-out single. The runners at first and second. The 1-2. Runners going, and the ball's hit down the left field line. Fair ball. In to score for Texas. Peyton Powell coming home. Dylan Campbell, an RBI double for the G-Wagon. Garrett Gilmet and Texas grabs a 5-3 lead. Here's the first pitch to Flores. Swings here and lifts a high fly ball to dead center. Back to the warning track. And you can say goodnight to it. Grand slam home run. J-Flo sends it out of the ballpark. And the Longhorns have blown this thing open with a nine-run bottom of the third. It's 9-3 to three, Texas. Here's the stretch from Hurley in the pitch. Swung on at a ground ball up the middle. It could be two. A step on the back from O'Dowd for one. Relay to first in time. Double play. Inning over. 4-3 on the double play. Yo-Yo Morales is 0-3, and the Longhorns are out of trouble in the fifth. Here's the 0-2 pitch. Strike three called. Got him looking. Back-to-back strikeouts. Nightmare. Zane Morehouse authoring two big outs in the seventh. Two balls, two strikes, two outs. Morehouse to the stretch and the 2-2 pitch to Blake Sear. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. Ball game is over. The Texas Longhorns are headed for the NCAA Super Regionals. Morehouse working around a walk. Records all three outs in the ninth by strikeout. And Zane Morehouse winds up with seven strikeouts in two of the third innings. In the ninth, no runs, no hits, and a man left. The final score from Coral Gables, Florida, in what is now the final game played here this year. The Texas Longhorns 10, the Miami Hurricanes 6, Texas is headed for the Super Regionals. How about that, huh? 
Your Texas Longhorns going 3-0 in the Coral Gables Regional. They're advancing to the Super Regionals where they'll face the winner of Stanford and, oh, yeah, little brother, Texas A&M. Good Monday morning to you, Cameron Parker, waiting for Craig Way to call in. He's getting ready to board up, and the Texas baseball team going to head back to Austin. They'll be in the air here shortly, but Craig going to join us here in just a minute. To recap what a, a great weekend it was for Texas baseball, remember, they swept West Virginia, got a share of the Big 12 championship, thought, okay, heating up, baby, heating up, get to the Big 12 tournament where they were the number one seed, a chance possibly to host, and two in barbecue. Yeah, did not look good. Matched up against number eight, Miami, and their regional, a really good Louisiana team, and Took the first game 4-2. Had to come back. They did it. Two outstanding plays. Eric Kennedy, who robbed a three-run homer and was actually overshadowed by Dylan Campbell making possibly the play of the weekend in college baseball. That diving grab out to his left. Oh, man, what a play by D.C., who, by the way, extended his hit streak now to 38 games what a season for Dylan Campbell, but Texas still had work to do. Took on Miami on Saturday. And how about LeBaron Johnson? Texas had not had a complete game pitching performance all year long. And what does LBJ do? Nine innings, seven hits allowed, but one run that was earned. Eight strikeouts to three walks. He was the MVP of the regional. What a performance from LeBaron Johnson. As Texas... Took the game 4-1, and now I believe Craig Way will be joining us live on the Fakirals Cantina Hotline. Craig? Hey, good morning, Cam. How are you? I'm doing great. You? Good. It's it's the usual scramble when it happens, uh, you know, the morning after play is completed, be it in a conference tournament or a regional in this case, or a super regional or Omaha where if you're traveling, you know, in the uh, team travel party, you got to get your bags downstairs and get all that taken care of. They're, you know, uh, rental car stuff to return, all of those kinds of things, and just getting ready to get out of town and the Longhorn baseball team doing that today. They're all, uh, uh, you know, getting their bags downstairs. They'll load up. The the flight will be early this afternoon, but uh, all the preparations being made, for this Texas team to head home with that uh, regional championship in tow. And for a weekend that was filled with delays and weather issues, it must have been nice to actually play that game yesterday on time and get done on time. Yeah, it wasn't without a little bit of uh, concern and drama because you understand this because you have done many games where you set up equipment. You even talked about it earlier this year, that game over at Vista Ridge, I think, uh, when you were doing the, the round rock game and you're worried about the rain and there's uh, maybe there's a little awning or umbrella or maybe you're out in the elements or whatever and you're kind of concerned. Roger Wallace and I literally set up three times on Friday, took down twice. We had the original setup, covered it up. It was rainy, took it all down and took it inside. Oh. Came back out, set it up again. Uh, rain came again, took it inside. And then the third time, and you're just kind of looking around, they had little canopy awnings over the area where we were broadcasting, and we were outside the whole weekend. It was a, it was a nice setup, the table and stuff where we were, 
but you were still kind of out in the elements if the rain starts blowing in. We went through a very similar thing on Saturday uh, with the delay Saturday night. And to your point, it was good that both games, both the Louisiana-Miami elimination game Sunday afternoon and then the uh, Texas-Miami regional final, both started on time. There was concern. There was a little bit of drippiness. We, we actually broke down the equipment once uh, and, and, then, and then put it back up kind of covered things up with some trash bags and towels and things like that. And then and then it finally uh, kind of moved out of the area. And then I will tell you, Cam, and, and Roger brought it up, and we mentioned it late in the game, there was a nasty-looking system out to the southwest. And we were thinking, let's just go ahead and see if this thing can get finished, get played in. And they did. And after it was done and, and when the team left and came back to the hotel and uh, got something to eat and I sat around with the coaches for a bit, Roger and I did, and visited with them for a while, then when I went back up to my room to send in the uh, morning and afternoon reports and, and a couple other things, when I went to do that, the skies opened up. And it was it, and it came a gully wash last night. Now, today, it says it has been forecast all along. Today is a beautiful day. Uh, but I'm just glad Texas doesn't have to play today one final uh, game to decide this regional. And when you're resetting or setting stuff back up and taking it back down, I mean, it's unsettling, Craig, because you're trying to get prepared for the broadcast, and you really can't because you're worried about your equipment getting damaged. Yeah, it, it puts a delay. And then if you add into the mix uh, while that was going on, especially this didn't happen yesterday, but especially Friday and Saturday, you're trying to do the timing of when to go down and record the pregame interview with Coach Pierce because they have certain times that work best for them, either when the team is hitting or not hitting. Well, that gets affected if they have to hit indoors as opposed to hitting on the field. And, you know, they, they had practice on Friday uh, – excuse me, Thursday on the field, batting practice. That's the only time they took batting practice on the field, the entire time. Every other time they had to hit – uh, indoors, they were able to take infield, outfield, on the field. So, yeah, they worked. I'll, t- I'll tell you this: uh, as unpredictable, or unfortunately, as predictable as the weather can be this time of year down here, as they say, it's the rainy season when you get to uh, starting late spring into the summer, and you can almost take it to the bank that it's going to rain uh, during the afternoon and into the evenings. When that happens, this this tournament group, uh, by and large, I thought did a fabulous job. Uh, The grounds crew was really good. The tournament management staff uh, did, I think, a great job. Uh, They made everybody, and I'm talking about Louisiana, and Maine's represented their teams, uh, their media. They made everybody feel very, very welcome and a part of the whole deal. I've been asked a lot about this, Cam. (laughs) The only wheels-off kind of moment was in the ninth inning when Yo-Yo Morales came to the plate, and the PA guy who is Miami's PA guy, and and you knew it all the way through, no matter who they were playing, no matter whether they were the home or the visitor, he was going to be more amped up for the Hurricanes. And you're not supposed to be by NCAA rules. You're supposed Mm -hmm. to be neutral. But when he he said, what could be the final time, it is about Yo-Yo Morales, and the fans are going, uh, it's like, really? You did that, huh? And and, uh, David Pierce and the coaching staff thought it was kind of odd as well. In the dugout, we were talking about it last night but when I went into the press box after the game to get a couple of things final boxes the press box staff was not happy with that dude doing that they said oh he had to make it about himself he had to do that and and, you know you know all that stuff so they were they were not happy at all about that that one guy but 
it, that was very small potatoes. Otherwise, they did a great job. Uh, they know what they're doing in terms of how to run a regional, especially when you got to work it around the rain down here. So I got nothing but salute and praise for the for the game ops, the game management people, and the NCA representatives who all made it happen down here. And speaking of impressive play, how are the Texas Longhorns, Craig? Huh? Well, it's that deal, Cam, about you know uh, when everybody. Uh, is is playing together that whole some of the parts thing and 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 David Pierce has said that all along that you know it's it's when the team is all together uh, doing doing all the things pitching hitting defense they can be pretty special and and they and when they had to have other guys step up in moments uh, the pitching you think about it, they used five pitchers for three ball games uh, that that was it. I mean, you had Lucas Gordon for seven innings and Zane Morehouse for two on Friday. You had that complete game from LeBaron Johnson on Saturday. And then, of course, uh, you started off with Tanner Witt. You had him out there, and then Tanner just didn't have command of the breaking ball. And so he was out after two innings. Charlie Hurley did a fine job in four and a third. And then uh, Nightmare was lights out. I mean, Morehouse was was tremendous the rest of the way. So when all of that's happening, the defense we saw, obviously the outfield play drew all the raves and the talk, but the infield played really well too. There were a couple errors last night, but they also turned a couple of tough plays as well. And, I, and then the, and then it's about the timely hitting. And they had guys that did long ball. They had guys that just did situational hitting. And this is what I think also said something about this team, Cam. When a guy like Peyton Powell, who entered the weekend as the team's leading hitter, did not have a hit until Sunday night. Now, it was a big one, that RBI single in the third inning, uh, you know, uh, when, when, uh, and that tied the score. When you can go the weekend without your leading hitter getting just one knock on Sunday night, and that's it. And when you have a guy like Jalen Flores, who's batting under 170 when he hit the grand slam, when you have uh, the, Mitchell Daly had a good weekend at the plate. All of those guys – made a difference, and I, and I think that was important. In addition to, obviously, Dylan Campbell extending the hitting streak, Jared Thomas played well, made all-tournament team. So some of the parts in all three areas, and that's why this team is moving on. And we haven't even mentioned Dylan Campbell's now 38-game hitting streak. He, uh, You know why? <laughs> Maybe I, I would hope folks aren't taking it for granted, and I have to make sure that I don't take it for granted. Uh, but But it, it, some of that is how everybody feeds off Dylan, he's so, uh, you know, low-keys it. He he really downplays that whole deal. And it just talks about, hey, what whatever the team is doing to do it. It never really seems to bother him much. I mean, he knows he's he's got the all-time school record. He knows he's got the all-time Big 12 conference record. Does he want to keep it going? Yes, but for the team cause. He's not worried about the number. And I think that's a big part of it, uh, what he's doing, because he's contributing like he was early in the season, even when he wasn't hitting well. Remember, he was batting around 210 or so in early March. So even when he wasn't hitting well, he was finding ways to get on base with a walk or advancing runners, uh, playing stellar play in the outfield like he has all season. He continues to do those things in addition to the fact that, obviously, he's swinging a record-setting bat for UT right now. And, of course, Texas fans very interested in tonight's game between A&M and Stanford, Craig. Now, go ahead and just ask you, because I know all Texas fans are wondering, what happens, where will they play if it is A&M and Texas in the Super Regionals this weekend? 
<laughs> yeah, you, you saw my Facebook post you did. Yeah. I, I when I when I posted I posted a photo last night of the Longhorn team celebrating, and I talked about it was great to see this group of guys advance. And then I said, and please, no questions about what would happen if A and M wins who hosts because I don't know, and and it's true. Uh, I, I don't know right now. I will tell you this. And people, people are asking, well, what's your speculation? What's your guess? And it's, it's truly a 50-50 situation because you can make cases on both sides. Uh, you know, uh, A&M uh, went farther in its conference tournament. A&M, uh, you know, would be winning at a top eight national seed. Now, the flip side of that is if A&M was sent as a two to a top eight in Texas, was sent as a two to the number nine, by math, that would indicate that Texas was a higher number two because they were sent to a lower number one. Mm-hmm. You follow me? So that's that's one of the things that goes into the consideration. Yes, there was a head-to-head meeting. What was it, March 28th? The Longhorns won that game uh, in College Station. I don't know that that necessarily factors in. And nobody needs to bring up anything about money because, the first of all, the bids were all due back a few weeks ago. So – the bids were already submitted. One, two, uh, the uh, you know there's a max, there's a ceiling, so there's not going to be any outbidding of one another, and these two programs are certainly going to bid the max. So that's not a factor either. What's going to be the factor in the minds of the selection committee? First of all, I think it's smart on their part to wait to see what happens tonight, not to go ahead and say, hey, if A then B, let let it play out. Um, Stanford was impressive in their win last night. They might not win the night. A&M might win the thing, and then they have to make a decision. They'll have to make a call. But they'll be ready to make that call, and, and I guarantee you that that decision will be announced or at least put on the NCAA website or whatever late tonight. When that game ends, it'll be out there because they don't want that thing down. And then it's going to bring about all the speculation. That is, if A&M wins tonight, and that's, that's certainly not a guarantee, especially – when you look around the regionals and see all the stuff that's happening, you've got a four-seed Oral Roberts having advanced. You've got a four-seed Penn with a chance to advance today if they can win one more time against uh, Southern Miss after they lost to them last night. Uh, you've got three seeds that advanced. So th- th- it's all up for grabs right now. There are seven regionals still to be decided today. Does capacity play a part? Because for those who are probably going to say it, Dishfalk does see about 500 people more than Bluebell. Uh, it, it, it does not, it would not, and not when you okay. get to ballparks that size, remember there's a bid process. This is a guarantee that's going to be made there. So that doesn't, that will not factor into it at, at all. Uh, the, the, both are large enough ballparks. Both are larger than, than most of the other ballparks of the teams that are still playing in regionals right now, larger than the ballpark for the number one overall national seed, Wake Forest, larger than Sunken Diamond in Palo Alto, larger than Terre Haute, Indiana, where Indiana State is going to host a super if, if TCU can beat Arkansas one time in two tries today, uh, Indiana State would host TCU. If uh, the Razorbacks win both of theirs, then they would host Indiana State. And Arkansas's ballpark is bigger than Dish Park. That Baum Walker field's about 10,000 seat parks. a really nice ballpark but most of the teams that would host super regionals their ballparks are smaller than either ufcu dishfall field or bluebell park so that will not be a factor and outside of the the coral gables regional and the stanford regional the biggest one to meet craig was the kentucky 
Dorm Room Regional, where right now there's a winner-take-all game tonight, 5 p.m., Indiana in Kentucky. Now, I'm, I'm guessing you weren't in the Dorm Room this weekend in Miami, were you? Uh, no, it was a pretty nice team hotel uh, here. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, so it was, yeah, no no problem there. And, and you know, while I do sympathize with the West Virginia guys and stuff like that, the, the beef should not be that West Virginia should have hosted because they were, they were in a free fall. You look at what happened to the Mountaineers. They wound up losing seven of their last eight games, got swept by Texas, lost both games in the Big 12 tournament, dropped the regional opener, won an elimination game, and, and then got smoked by Kentucky uh, in, in the Friday. They wound up losing seven of the last eight. That's not – that wasn't the point. The point was whether Kentucky should have been allowed to host knowing that that uh, uh, music festival was coming in, that they had state high school spring sport championships, and that there was going to be a veritable dearth of hotel rooms. It wasn't about hotel rooms for Morgantown. They've got some nice hotels, believe it or not, Morgantown. they got a really nice – Marriott that sits on the uh, on the Monongahela River. They've got uh, you know a couple of courtyards by Marriott and Hilton Garden Inn where the football team has stayed before. They've got hotels. That's not the issue. They were never going to be uh, considered for hosting a regional, especially after they went belly up against Texas and then two in barbecue in the Big 12 tournament. That wasn't the issue. The question was who deserved to host more, be it Southern Miss or Campbell, and, and I think it'd be one of those. Uh, Campbell got to its regional final. They were behind the eight ball after dropping the regional opener to NC State there in Columbia and had to fight their way back through to the final. They did, but could not overcome South Carolina. And then Southern Miss has uh, had to bounce back through in that Auburn regional, and they have a chance to advance with a win today over Penn. I think one of those two probably should have been the host, uh, but, you know, that that was one of the big themes. The other big theme to me, uh, Cam, is Oral Roberts. Uh, that said all along, Oral Roberts was a four seed that should not have been a four seed. And the reason why they were was geographic purposes. That's why the whole deal about using the math to decide who should host a regional for Texas and Texas A&M based on where they were does not always apply because the baseball tournament selection committee uh, uses geography in its selection unlike the men's basketball tournament, which picks, you know, uh, the, the uh, you know, four, one through 16s for each region. Baseball, they say they can balance the bracket. So by doing that geographically, they assign Oral Roberts to go 70 miles over to Tulsa, from Tulsa over to Stillwater, uh, a, a, an ORU team that had already beaten, uh, you know, Oklahoma State. Now, the trade-off for that, Cowboys got to host a regional. They just didn't step up and perform well, especially against Dallas Baptist. Oh, are you? I understand. But to lose and to just get launched into the sun by DBU, uh, you know, they, they, they just hit a bad spot and, and, and went out. Uh, Auburn was another school that some folks thought maybe should not have hosted. They went to a barbecue in their own region. Like I said, they lost to Penn and then got knocked out by Southern Miss. So, those are the themes, I think, that come through it. Or Roberts is going to have to go, ORU will have to go to UO. They're going to go to Eugene to play the Oregon Ducks, who won that Nashville uh, regional. So uh, those are some of the themes that stuck out of my mind throughout the course of this weekend. Yeah, and before we hit the break, Craig, uh, I want to open up the Specs text line, 512-337-3776. A question for you was asked, what are the chances that Tanner Witt and LBJ come back for another year of experience? 
uh, I would say, it, it, well, I would say the odds are against it, but not out of the question. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, uh, both are draft eligible redshirted sophomores. Uh, you know, there's a reason why when Tanner Witt came back on May 1st, that game, that Monday afternoon game in Fort Worth, that there were at least 50 scouts clumped together or directly behind the home plate with radar guns uh, pointed right at Tanner Witt. They're evaluating because they know he's got big lead stuff. Uh, we've said that all along about LBJ, that he's got big league stuff. It was about controlling it as well. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind they'll be drafted. They'll both be drafted. The question is, where will they be drafted? And uh, would it matter to them? Uh, same thing with Lucas Gordon, by the way. Uh, who is draft eligible as a junior, they'll all be drafted. The question is, where will they be drafted, and will it be enough to entice them to sign a professional contract? I think that's where, where it comes in, and those are the decisions they have to make with their families and representatives and things like that, but they'll all be drafted. Yeah, and, and a nice message from female listener 19 real quick that she said, Craig, let the tower has a new female listener who has listened to Texas baseball for the last few years, a senior citizen that has remark or has, has visual impairment for the past few years as well and when the texas would make it to the college world series she would take a bracket to kinko's and had it blown up to poster size so she knows when and who the horns are playing hope i'll be doing that again this year hook them so a real nice message for you absolutely i'm glad to hear that listener and and uh all that means when you get it when when somebody says something like that cam all that means is, and it's very nice to them, what that means is that I did my job. And it means that Roger did his job. We no did doubt. our job on the broadcast. If, if we can make it to where folks can get a visual enough picture of what's going on, then you've done your job as a broadcaster. And that's all we want to do. Hey, pack up that lunch pail and go to work. And, and whether that's going to work in Palo Alto or College Station or UFCU Dish Fog Field, wherever it is, we'll be ready to roll. And, Craig, safe travels today. You'll be back on tomorrow and the rest of this week, correct, until we decide or when we find out when the Super Regionals will take place? I, Yeah, I'll definitely be on tomorrow. We'll see. I mean, if they have to go to Palo Alto, uh, that will depend. The departure date and time will depend on whether that's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday Super Regional or a Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Remember, it's staggered. For the Supers, half of the field plays Friday through Sunday. The other half plays Saturday through Monday. And for folks who say, well, the game in Palo Alto, since it's being decided tonight, that means it'll be Saturday through Monday. Not necessarily. Remember, there are seven seven regionals to be decided. I would say the odds are are in favor of a Texas-Texas A&M Super beginning on Saturday for a number of reasons. Uh, and, And right at or near the top of the list, is the fact that A&M has, I think, the longest distance to travel after a night game on the West Coast. So that, I think, they, they take all of those things into account. So I'd say the, the, the chances are decent. It would be a Saturday, Sunday, Monday uh, Super Regional, but it would not surprise me if it was the other way around. It is, after all, the NCAA we're talking about. Yeah, we're all very excited to find out. Craig, uh, safe travels back. We look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Thanks. Appreciate it. We'll see you. I'll see you, Craig. All right. Inconceivable coming up next, plus Longhorn Notebook with Jeff Howe. Yeah, I've been here. I've just been hanging out. I yeah. just let uh, let Cam take the wheel on that. So good job, Cam. 
Oh, thank you, Jeff. Way to get us through the first segment. Yes, Longhorn Notebook, Cam, I know you know we've got some football recruiting news to talk about. Yes, Inconceivable is going to close out hour number one, as it always does, Longhorn Notebook. In the second hour, we're going to flex update. All that and more as we roll along on a Monday edition, a victory Monday edition of Light the Tower. On the Horn, live, local, and digital. On the Horn app and at hornfm.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Light the tower. How much money do you think DJ Khaled has made off this song? Way too much money. Ro- royalties and everything else. People that have borrowed it. Love him or hate him. That. Love him or hate him. He's a he's a very smart businessman. That he is. Uh, and uh, I don't know. Smart is the uh, Texas got smart baseball. Played smart baseball over the weekend. I was trying to find a segue there. It's a little awkward, but man, I think I made it. Yeah, we, we got there. there. Victory Monday. Texas gets a ten six win over Miami to win the Coral Gables Regional. Up next is the to be determined Super Regional. Could be in a, here in Austin at UFCU Dishwalk Field. Could be in College Station. Could be at Sunken Diamond in Palo Alto. We don't know yet, but we'll know that by the time everybody goes to bed tonight and puts it to rest. I think if you're an A&M fan, Cam, I think you've got to be a little concerned that Stanford has been here before. Last year with my Texas State Bobcats, same situation. Texas State wins the, the 1-0 game, the winner's bracket game. Then Stanford has to beat the Bobcats twice, and they did it. Yep. Texas State was very close to hosting a super regional at Bobcat Ballpark. Were they a strike away? Or they, maybe they were an, they were a couple outs away, right? It was yeah. It was close enough to uh really just Sting. Yeah. feel like you got kicked right in the tenders. But that didn't happen, but the Longhorns will be in the super regional. They will uh again could host and like Craig said in the last segment, and I've been asked this too, I don't know. It, the the well, let's you know what. Let's go ahead and just carry this conversation over. Let's go ahead and just start and make this the Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Thank you, Cam. It, it, you know, when you look at Texas and Texas A and M, and you look at the resumes, I don't know what the committee is going to use to determine what ultimately separates these two. Because to be grouped into the way the committee grouped them, and and again, Craig and I have talked about this for the last few weeks when we've talked regional projections. And then we talked about the bracket when it was unveiled a week ago today. You look at how everything is set up. Once you get past those top 16 seeds, those first 16 seeds, nothing else is truly seeded. In some cases it is, but we talk about balance of the bracket. Geographically, things have to work out. Look, between you figure those teams that are right in the center, the center of the country, right? Texas and Texas Tech, Texas A&M, TCU, they all had to go somewhere. And you figured one of those four was going to Palo Alto. One of those four was going to Stanford. A couple of them were probably going to have to go to those regionals in the state of Florida. And that's what, and somebody was probably going to have to go to Fayetteville. 
TCU ends up in Fayetteville. Texas and Texas Tech end up in the state of Florida. A&M ends up out on the West Coast at Stanford. So it's, you're just kind of grouped together. Uh, I think when you take a look at the RPI, I, again, I, I just don't know what metric you're going to use to separate the two teams. Because they're right next to each other. Texas is one spot ahead of A&M on the RPI rankings, right? Uh, I'm looking at the RPI right now from Warren Nolan, and and this is a running RPI, so the, they're, Warren Nolan is still counting the RPI. As of today, Texas okay. is 21st, A&M's 24th. Okay. Uh, but then you look at the strength of schedule metric, A&M's got this play that's played the sixth toughest schedule in the country. Texas was 26th in strength of schedule. Now you look non-conference strength of schedule, Here's where the regional helps Texas, Cam. Again, if the committee's going to look at these metrics, if you're going to stay, we're going to start from scratch and kind of look at these resumes now, you look at non-conference strength of schedule. Texas is 22nd, A&M is 81st. What's helping Texas there? Indiana making it to the champ, to the finals of that uh, of the Lexington Regional against uh, against Kentucky. And there were quite a few teams that Texas played. Uh, granted, San Jose State's not going to do a whole lot to your RPI, but they were a conference tournament champion, they did make it to the NCAA tournament. So Texas being helped out by that non-conference strength of schedule. Uh, again, A&M 81st. I, so I just don't know what you do. Money's going to be awash because, as Craig said, the bid process has already been done. So either way, Cam, if it's Texas and Texas A&M, and again, the Aggies have to do their part. I think we all forget about that, right? Everything we're talking about could be moot. If it's Texas and Texas A&M, there's going to be one fan base tomorrow that's going to be very, very angry and feel like they got the shaft from the NCAA. Specs Textures, who do you want to face? A&M or Stanford? 512-337-3776. It's a question I've been thinking about because obviously Stanford's the tougher team. But I, so to me, as, like, as a college baseball fan and watching college baseball from the time I was a kid, those two teams, like seeing those two caps, those two logos, those two brands facing each other, Texas and Stanford at a super regional trip to Omaha on the line, it doesn't get much better than that. It doesn't. Yeah. If you're a Texas baseball fan, if you're a college baseball fan, it doesn't get much better than you know your road to Omaha. Hey, you got to go to Coral Gables and knock Miami out of their regional, and then maybe go to Stanford and have to knock them out of a super regional. That that's a hell of a road to get to Omaha. Um. Yeah, I'm interested to see what the text line says, Cam, because I, I don't know. I mean, if you're going on the road to Stanford, that's a really good team. Did you see that ball that Tommy Troy just obliterated last night on the Grand Slam off Josh Stewart? Georgetown native Josh Stewart, by the way. Uh, yeah, dude, that was as big. And, and was, you could feel – we were talking about it on the flagship message board at Horns 24-7. <laughs> And I was like, dude, it feels like the wheels are about to come off this thing for the Aggies because it's a four-run game, and if you get out of that inning, granted, you're probably going to have to trade outs for runs, but if you can get out of that with like a you know, five-run deficit at that point because it would have been 10-5 if you just allow one run, you're still kind of in it. You know, you can still manufacture some things, but it just felt like that thing was about to come unraveled, and good Lord, Tommy Troy crushed that ball, just hit it right on, you know, Stewart grooved one, Troy hit it right on the screws, and... Dude, that thing was gone into the trees. A&M, obviously, I think they're a little bit closer to Texas, and obviously Texas already beat him this year, but Jim Schlossnagel is an incredible postseason coach, so that's the one thing that I can, I'm can i concerned about playing A&M, even though they aren't ranked like Stanford is ranked. Schlossnagel's been to the College World Series both. Remember what he did at TCU was incredible, and he's mm-hmm. already taken A&M to the World Series once. 
beat one of Augie Garrido's best teams yeah. in that 2010 Super Regional here in Austin. Uh, see, I don't necessarily agree with this. ESPN will tell the NCAA that the UT that a UT Super Regional said regional, but a Super Regional will draw more viewers and more revenue. I don't, I don't, I think that's a wash. You're going to tell me if that regional is played in College Station, the college baseball fans won't want to view it. No. No. Dude, if it's Texas and Texas A&M in a Super Regional, people that don't have a dog in the fight that don't care about college baseball will watch it. It doesn't matter if you you can go play that thing in Taylor or Bastrop. It's not going to matter. People will tune in. Uh, and, dude, A&M, they can, I mean, as far as revenue goes, Cam, what would you say? There's a 500-seat difference between yeah, Bluebell and Dishfalk? Dishfalk is about 6,600 and Bluebell 6,100. Okay. It's basically going to be a wash yeah. in terms of the revenue. So it's it's – you're very, very much splitting hairs at this point. Uh, Texture says A and M because of the game time. Says Aggie, and again, A and M fans, this isn't me doing this. This is me reading off the text line. Aggie fan meltdowns always make me laugh. If they win tonight, and if they win tonight, and we host the Super, their meltdowns will be epic. Stanford, a thousand percent. I will never root for A and M to win for the opportunity to play them. Texture said I'd rather face Stanford all day long, even if we have to travel to Palo Alto. Uh, that's not a big deal to me. Texas faced many tough opponents. Uh, I don't want to give A&M any more exposure than they already have. Cam, I've heard some Texas fans say this. It says, Director's Cup impact has to be taken Ooh. into consideration considering who we root for. I'll, I uh, like how this guy's thinking. I'll be honest. I I don't give the south end of a rat about the Director's Cup. I'm sorry. I just don't. And for those wondering now, basically the winner of the Director's Cup this season will be decided by whether or not Stanford goes farther than Texas, because I believe right and there's a great Twitter account. I believe it's Director's Cup updates, and I believe his or hers last update said that Texas is ahead of Stanford, but a lot will depend on who goes farther in the college baseball postseason. So this does have Director's Cup implications. So if you want Texas to win it this year and win what three straight now after Stanford's dominated dominated this this award. And you might have to root for A and M tonight. Are there are there Longhorn fans walking around with like Directors Cup Championship shirts and hats? I don't think. Do they make them? Is that as I, I didn't you got honest, a banner honestly, put up somewhere? Honestly, as a big sports fan as I am, I didn't know it existed until like <laughs> four years ago, where I heard Del Conte talk about it in his press conference. Directors Cup was it, was it like a hockey? Is that is that like the uh, the UIL does that where they tally the points and you know each conference gets like I guess the athletic department of the year? I'm like, man, is is Lake yeah. Travis is, is Lake Travis just you know are the, are the admins at Lake Travis just like or Westlake just pounding desks like man you know because we you know the golf bo- girls golf team didn't make it that far we're gonna list out on the athletic directors cup or whatever it is I I don't know it's nice but it's it's one of those deals that I guess if you win it it's cool but if you don't I don't think anybody's gonna be all that upset uh, I would much rather face A and M the devil you know I, I again the stamp man that. Texas and Stanford paired up. I just really like that. That's Chad Hastings' move. When you look at uniforms and logos and how they pair up, I just think Texas, Stanford, college baseball, I love it. It says A&M for sure. Having a chance to host, that's a no-brainer. A&M, it's just more fun that way. Uh, and they get to be either at home or very close to home. Better than a long flight to Cali in a different time zone. Yeah, dude, because you know you're going to get the late games if you're, if you're in the Stanford Super Regional. You're getting those late first pitches, which is going to be pretty rough. By the way, Jeff, an update. Because of Stanford softball team advancing, I believe, to the Women's College World Series, mm-hmm. right now Stanford has projected 1,376 points. 
Texas has 1,372. So Texas would have to advance to the College World Series, gaining nine additional points or a need to track results to fall in their favor to win the Director's Cup update. I was told there would be no math involved in today's show. Way too much math. At director underscore cup dates if you want to follow that. Um, Again, this could also just be a fake award. (laughs) This is much much ado about nothing. Um, Did you see the Trey Richardson three-home run game with the two slams yesterday? TCU taking care of Arkansas uh, to to get themselves in a 2-0. Craig talked about Earl Roberts, 21-game win streak, TCU a team. That heated up in Arlington. You're just like, oh, you last year, man. Yep. Oh, you, oh, you got really hot at the end of the year. And one went away from eliminating number three, Arkansas. TCU has no losses, so they could still lose the first game, which I believe is at 5 o'clock today, and then win the second one to advance. But TCU is another team that's really just heated up. Trey, Trey Richardson is like the uh, – he's going to be like the Al Bundy of college baseball. You know, Al Bundy scored four touchdowns in one game for mm-hmm. Polkai. Trey Richardson can always say, I hit two grand slams in a regional in Fayetteville against Arkansas. We got a great text. 11 11 RBI is what he had. Uh, I was mentioning that because there's some really good stats coming out. Like There's the one that I I tweeted out last night. Since Texas got eliminated from the Long Beach Regional in in 2017, Longhorns are 12-0 under David Pierce in regional play. They have not lost a game in a regional since they got eliminated in Long Beach. And Texas fans were singing on the hot seat. This year? I mean, look, it, okay. there's a lot of Texas fans, and, and I've talked to some longtime Texas baseball fans that have been following this team longer than I've been roaming this mortal earth. And there are some of those fans that just straight up don't like David Pierce for whatever reason. Yeah. Maybe it's because you had Tim Corbin or Pat Casey or uh, whoever was on that coach, John Savage, whoever you wanted to be the head coach of Texas of the umpteen candidates that were candidates for that job, that were up for that job, that Texas either put out feelers to or just outright contacted, wanted to hire, wanted to bring in for an interview, whatever. Uh, if you're mad that David Pierce was just so far down the list and you wish Texas had a better coach, okay, that's fine. But don't let that cloud your view of what this program has done under him and, and specifically what this team has done. I said going into the year, you know, if this team got in a position – to where it could host a regional, that would be a good year considering the circumstances. Huge, huge year. And this team, you can say everybody gets a trophy or whatever. I'll disagree with that. But they won a share of a conference championship. They went on the road to to Miami in Coral Gables and won a regional. And now they're two wins away from getting to Omaha. It's been a good year. You can Again, you can not like David Pierce for whatever reason, but – you got to give him his props today and give the staff their props. Look, we can talk about the pitchers that haven't been developed, Cam, but for LBJ to fire the first postseason complete game for this program since Chad Hollingsworth did it what a against the Aggies in 2014, they have developed LBJ. They've brought him along. They've, you know, he was a guy earlier in his career a couple of years ago. Yeah, he could throw it 95, 96, but, you know, you didn't know where it was going. Now he's throwing complete games on the road in regionals. And Texas, that's how far that guy's gone. And especially when you get in the regionals like this, where you have games on Sundays and Mondays where your bullpen is depleted and you got guys who you wouldn't normally want to trust in big game situations pitching, how huge of it was for Texas to only use how many arms this weekend? Four, five? You used. Whit, so there was the Hurley, three starters, Morehouse, Hurley and Morehouse, yeah. LBJ. Incredible. Texas, I mean, maybe they, they do win considering how the bats heated up yesterday, but to not use anyone out of the bullpen. I mean, having a 
pitcher go nine complete games, that's huge no matter what the sport is, right? No matter if it's MLB or high school baseball or college baseball, what LBJ LBJ did this weekend is huge towards Texas making it. And a real quick update, thanks for correcting me. Uh, Arkansas TCU game one's at 2 p.m. Game the second game would be the at winner 8 take all would be at eight if it, the if necessary game is at eight o'clock. Uh, man, it sounds like Texas fans want A and M. Yeah, uh, play in Aggieland, better time zone. Uh, yeah, a, a lot of Stanford doesn't legalize this. Stanford doesn't have much of a home field advantage. Aggies all over the stadium. Yeah, so a lot of a lot of folks siding wanting to play the Aggies with the trip to uh, Omaha on the line. Uh, a couple of people's camps say couldn't care less about the Directors Cup. This texter says I was wearing a Directors Cup winner's shirt the other day and was accused of being a T-shirt fan. So there is a shirt. That, that's the story here. There is, is a shirt. That's the story. That's the, hey, breaking news sounder, Cam. Breaking news sounder. Some apparel company somewhere did produce Directors Cup championship shirts. I don't know where you can get those. Perhaps some fine Longhorn outfitter near you. Probably UT Co-op, right? I'm sure. Somewhere down by campus. There's some, you know, some of the independent stores. Maybe do they the, make, the team store at DKR. I don't know. Do they make runner-up Directors Cup shirts? Uh, those are on the, the shelf with the NIT championship okay. shirts. Yeah. And the uh, whatever 2009 national championship football shirts didn't go to uh, – some foreign country, Yo, those are those are there yeah. too. The Ben's basketball final four shirts from this year. Mm. Yeah. They're all they're all kind of over there somewhere. Just kinda off in off in the back corner. Kind of like do you know there's a grape shortage right now, Cam? A shortage of grapes? I didn't. Because there there was an issue like the grape crops were late coming in and now there's a grape shortage. It's kinda like where I found those grapes at that, that's where you can find the director's cup runner up shirts is where I found the grapes at H E B. So I was like, dude, why are there no grapes? Where's the grapes? And I got on my phone, I'm like, maybe they're out. Because it was this grape shortage I didn't know about. And then it's a little bitty sliver of grapes over by the mushrooms in the back corner. I'm like, oh, you don't put anything by the mushrooms. They're just kind of there because nobody ever wants to go to that section. But I found the grapes. That's where the, the director's cup t shirts are. Okay. Uh, it says, uh, George says Stanford. He votes for Stanford. Uh, yeah, so more A&M uh, chatter than Stanford in terms of people, people want to play. It says, give me Stanford all day. Uh, it says, what's the deal with Tanner Witt only pitching three innings? Is he still on a pitch count? No, the deal with him pitching three innings is he was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> After the first inning, he was not very good. So back to that question about Tanner Witt coming back another year. Now, his, That's not going to happen. But with his velocity, it, it's his movement's still there, but his velocity still isn't where it used to be. Our, he's he's going to tumble in the draft, right? Well, I, he'll, I think he'll still get enough money to go. I'll be very surprised if Tanner Witt's back at Texas for another year. But when you look at his velo, this is kind of where – this is really the last step for him. And, and I asked David Pierce about this. I don't think it was in fall. I think it was in preseason back in January. Uh, about you know, guy, and everybody's different coming back from Tommy John. But kind of what's what's the one thing everybody that you've coached? I mean, I'm talking to David Pierce that's had TJ. That, that what is the kind of the common denominator? He said it's really getting over that hump of really being able to let it go. Yeah, just really trusting it and being able to let it fly. It seems like that's kind of where Tanner is right now. 
because the and and honestly, Cam, it really wasn't the velo. I mean, the velo. Granted, it's not where it was pre-injury, but it'll get there. It really wasn't the velocity that that hurt him yesterday. He just lost control of his breaking ball. Yeah, and that breaking ball was sharp in the first inning, and he just just didn't have it after that first inning. Yeah, I wonder what Pierce will do in the supers. So, if you go to a game three, do you still put him out there for the first couple innings and just you know, hopefully, you can get three, four, maybe five, because the pitch count is a what? Is it is it even still there? He went uh, so he didn't pitch in the Big Twelve tournament because they weren't in Arlington very long. But he pitched an inner squad uh, that Saturday, so he got eliminated Thursday, came home Friday, had a squad Saturday. He went, I think, according to David Pierce, I think went three and a third and was right around like fifty ish pitches, okay. if I remember right. So I, I think that's where you're looking at him being. Uh, we're we're uh, up against it. Actually, we're. Uh, past time. We need to take a break. But when we come back, Inconceivable, we'll close out hour number one on Life the Tower. On the Horn, live, local, and digital. On the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Inconceivable. 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 You keep using the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. All right. Uh, got a couple quickies here. We'll start with Cameron Parker, the play-by-play prodigy, our esteemed producer, who has a contribution to the presentation. Cam, take it away. I actually have two real quick. Oh, This one is a bit of- I don't know if it's breaking news, but if you're a Mavericks fan like yourself, Jeff, maybe turn up the dials just a bit. Shams just tweeted out nine minutes ago, and yes, it's his real account. Kyrie Irving has reached out to Lakers star LeBron James in attempts to see if James would come to Dallas. So not reaching out to see if he could come to L.A. Kyrie's asking LeBron if he would come to the Dallas Mavericks pro basketball team. Jeff, your thoughts? I'm going to try to temper my expectations, but oof, that's a that's a big report. If you want to make Luca happy, that's probably one way to do it. That that screams uh, Kyrie or Kyrie's agent saying, "Hey, Shams, if you tweet this out for us, we'll owe you one. We want we want to get the rumor started." I don't think LeBron is going to leave LA with his son playing so. basketball at USC, but. I digress. NBA rumor mill, one of my favorite times of the year. I don't know, man. Mark Cuban's the kind of guy. He, Mark Cuban's done bits with draft picks before. I mean, Mark Cuban could, uh, again, I'm just spitballing here. I don't think anything comes of this, but Mark Cuban's the kind of order that would say, yeah, we'll draft Bronny. No problem. But we'll he, use he, a draft pick. But on. even then, so Kyrie's a free agent, so he, if he re-signs with Dallas, then Dallas will have to trade for LeBron in some capacity. Yeah. Uh, and if you're, if, you're the, if you're the Lakers, who are you going to – Want oh uh, yeah, give other, us other than Tim Hardaway Jr.'s expiring contract. I don't there's know. nothing there unless you just give him every single draft pick. But even then, that that takes away the Lakers' timeline of competing for a championship. Uh yeah, you, you have to think Hardy and Green would both have to be involved somehow, and then like I said, Tim Hardaway's salary. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't I don't work. know it what else. Work. I don't know what work. else the Mavericks would have. Yeah, it, I'm sorry, Dallas Mavericks fan. The only possible way that Kyrie and LeBron are playing together next year is if Kyrie is in a Laker jersey. Anyway, next thing real quick, uh, sticking the sports world, Jeff, before we get to some great stories. Uh, Want to shout out Rose saying, now if you follow the amateur golf uh, golf landscape, it's not too inconceivable to think about it, but Rose saying, who has dominated the women's amateur golf game over the last few years, talked with Coach Ryan Murphy about it when he came on the show with me and Craig about what it's like to play with Rose saying in a tournament. He said it's basically... 
a professional golfer playing college golf. And, well, she turned pro this past weekend, Jeff, in her first pro event. She won. She is the first LPGA player to win her debut event since 1951. So congrats to Rose Singh out of Stanford. Nice. Awesome. Cam, thank you for those sports-related contributions. Uh, You know, I I like to find wheels-off news. This isn't totally wheels-off, but uh, it's close enough. And this will be our last one. A German court cam says it is giving an 82-year-old man a, quote, last warning to avoid jail time after he was found guilty. What was this 82-year-old man found guilty oh, of, Cam? Uh, I don't need- that would be That yeah, would warrant a last warning. Eating too many grapes that are not allowed to eat? I don't know. No, he, he was not responsible for the uh, Mexican grape crop being behind schedule okay. and causing a supply gap. No. Uh, this 82-year-old man, Cam, was found guilty of drug dealing. This is despite 24 previous convictions. Gramps is, you know, dealing crack, I guess. I don't know, but whatever. I don't know what he specializes in. But uh, the retired seaman who said he wanted to improve his meager $855, it's 800 euros, you know, roughly $855 American, his monthly pension by selling marijuana, he was handed a suspended sentence by a court in the northern town of Orich on Monday. Uh, German news agency DPA reported, and this is from the Associated Press, reported that prosecutors had asked the court to impose a prison term of 34 months in view of the man's lengthy criminal record and an existing suspended sentence. But judges said they would make an exception and classify the latest crimes as, quote, less serious offenses due to the man's particular circumstances and recent health problems. DPA quoted the presiding judge telling the defendant that this was his, quote, very last warning. Oh, it's very last. So Gr- so Gramps is dealing the ganj. He's de- he's you know selling the sticky icky on the side to make a little extra income. And uh, the judge said, no, this is this is it. Stop dealing in marijuana or else we'll have to throw you in jail. But if he's 82 and he has health problems, I'm guessing his, his bag of you-know-what's to give, that, that thing's empty. It was empty a long time ago. He just doesn't care. Aren't there bigger things the, the prosecutors can focus on in that's, that country? I think that's what the judge was getting at. Like, look, Holy why cow. are you wasting my time with, you know. He's 80, He's 82 years old. Yeah. He's 82. If he wants to smoke it, deal it, I don't know. Stick it where the sun don't shine. He lives in Russia. I mean, isn't, isn't that enough to just let him get it's away Germany, with it? but. Oh, it's Germany. Germany oh, I thought it was yeah. Russia the no, entire time. Germany. Okay, well, that limits a little. But still, 24 convictions. Yeah, we'll give you one more <laughs> warning, bro. What, what what prevented you from doing something the first 24 times? Exactly. It's like that scene in one of the most underrated movies of my youth, Basketball, when they're messing with Squeak and goes, I swear, you guys rattle me into the 13 or 14 more times? I'm out of here. Basketball's the actual movie? I thought it was just a minute no, sport. No, dude, it's a movie. It's oh. awesome. Bob Costas and Al Michaels were excellent in that movie. Oh, I'm definitely watching that now. On that note, hour number one is done. Hour number two is next on Light the Tower on the Horn, live local and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com.